everyone welcome to know your gear live qa number 73 and as always i want to do a quick shout out uh, to the patrons bradulus jeff howe zachary rowe michael newman know Brooke, your gear oh, and i should live QA and i should 73 and as always i want to do a quick you, shout out uh, to the patrons Bradulus, jeff howe zachary rowe michael newman know your gear oh, and i should there you go <laughs> oh you know what we'll come back to that only you, 73 of these before that happened. You know what's funny is I was on a live show with the Tone King and it was doing that. And he made a good point, and I agree. You would think that the software that Google makes would know that once you're broadcasting live to go ahead and mute the the playback. Um I usually go in and catch it most of the time, but every once in a while I miss it because there's just so many things you're checking down the list to yeah. do. Um even with a checklist. So all right, uh, so we'll get back to that. We'll get back to the shout out in a little bit. Uh, since there's uh, what happens is we want a few minutes on early because there's already 191 of you guys waiting. There was a I, so I wanted to say hi and get this started. Let me make sure you guys aren't waiting any longer than you have to. How you guys all doing this week? Uh, room looks great. Thank you. Uh, the room is definitely uh, streamlined. Yeah, right? yeah, cleaned up. Um... Yes, definitely more chill, uh, decluttered. This is my, uh, so the ba basically just, just to answer any questions, I got a lot of questions on Instagram about this, you know, why the change, you know, what happened to the pedals, uh, so on and so on. A lot of people were saying, hey, I missed the pedals. You're the first thing you said when you walked in was. Where are all the pedals? Yeah, where are all the pedals? Um, here's the deal. This is my office. This is where I work. And it's very important that I they work in here and it was starting to feel a little cluttered it was just a little too much uh in here uh, i feel like there was just too much stuff going on and i a lot of times when i was doing video work i feel like i was moving so much stuff out of the way just to get to equipment so i wanted to streamline it i figured in most cases i will be using one amp so i have three amps set up in the room uh, a lot of people mentioned that the center stage is this but this is the one you'll probably never see because when i'm doing the video i'll be blocking it so really there's just the two amps on the stands that are matching stands. And that was done on purpose because I want to mic those amps when I do sh uh, shootouts and stuff. Uh, and, and also I want to put focus on guitars. I'm really a guitar guy. I'm into guitars and it felt like more and more it was about amps and pedals. And actually I'm not really into those as much as guitars. Guitars are definitely, I don't repair guitars or I don't repair amps or pedals for a living. I repair guitars. So I really enjoy guitars and I have a lot of beautiful guitars and I thought, you know what? I need to have them where I can get to them and play them. So, uh, so there you go. So that's what I did. I streamlined uh, a lot of stuff. I actually put more guitars in here. I, I don't know if you can tell. I added two to the wall than the old ones. And uh, and at String Swing was uh, so kind. String Swing is the only wall hanger I've ever used uh, since I've ever played guitar. Yes. And uh, I reached out to them and said, hey, would you mind sending me some of the sideways ones? And one of the, the racks that I love, I did this. This was uh, in 2017 at the NAMM show. I voted this like my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of gear for that year. There's a video I have about it. And I said, hey, would you mind sending some of that stuff out? Uh, it'd be great to talk about it with, with everybody and let everybody know why I use String Swing. But basically, it's made in the USA. It's indestructible. And here's something that's impressive. Some of these hangers on this wall right here were actually put into the first shop in 2005, then ripped out of that shop in 2007, put into the the, the newer shop, second shop, yep. then ripped out of that shop now in my wall. So yeah. some of these hangers have not only been been used for almost 14 years, 
they are 15 years. They have been ripped out of the walls and reinstalled at least three times. So, and that's not including the number of times that we've rearranged the store where we took them out of the walls, put them back up, took them back down, reconverted everything. So they've definitely taken a beating. Yeah, yeah. It, so I got nothing but good things to say. And one more shout out for Spring Swing just because it's important to me. Uh, these are also the people that have been uh, pushed many times by large retailers to go to China for import product. And they have stood their ground, still made in the USA, still doing it the way they want. Still a small mom-pop operation. Um, and uh, there you go. And, uh, you know, one of the saddest things about String Swing uh, that I, I ever read was on Amazon, there is more fake String Swings sold on Amazon a year than String Swing even makes a year. Um, and, uh, you know, so like I said, if it matters to you guys, all I can say is this. There's some amazing guitars on the wall, as you can see. And I only trust them with the string swings. So that's it. The, the, and no, and I'm sure you guys have suggestions, but there's very few things I'm closed-minded about. But string that's swing, one of those things. It's one of those things. Like once you find something that works and you put something you care about in, you know what I mean? It's like to me, like these are like baby strollers. Once I found the right one for my kids, that was the one I bought. Probably like thirteen bucks for the wall hangers. Yeah, like thirteen bucks. Yeah, and then again, you're you're putting a three thousand dollar guitar on them. Yep. I don't think I want to cut quality on that. And the sideways ones are like 30 bucks, but they're one piece and they're awesome. Um, and the, the questions are stacking up. So I have a couple questions that we pinned real quick. We're going to hit those real fast. Then we'll get to the other ones. Okay, Ralph, let's start with the first one. Right. This was from Byron. He says, uh, hey, I have a new Gretsch 6122T Georgia Green, and I love it. Want to put locking keys without, uh, he says molesting, but I understand what he means, uh, destroying the headstock. Uh Hip shot uh, with the umplate, or is there something better? Yeah, I did a video where I actually used the hip shots with umplates, which I love a lot, on a Gretsch. But since then, for the Gretsch, because of the rounding on the headstock, uh, I believe the, the ratio tuners by Graftech are better for that situation. Um, I like some of the things about the things I like about the hip shots is they're light. They're really light tuning keys, and I like adding them to the guitar. It feels really good, especially if a guitar that might be neck heavy. A lot of times, locking tuners are weighty. Um, but the ratio tuners for the Gretsch, uh, hands down, super easy. I know that's a, usually that's a dual question for me and Ralph, but that one. I, that's pretty, yours. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Um, the next one uh, says, uh, Ralph, haven't heard you guys uh, brag much about your hot rod deluxe amps. Uh, change your minds about them like everyone else on the planet? Uh, no, no, yeah, no. I still, I still have it. I still play it. I still love it. Yeah, in fact, so you know, I did a uh, did a video where I had this orange uh, hot rod uh, deluxe with uh, racing stripes. Yeah, for, the, the limited edition. And Ralph owns that amp. Yeah. Uh, so that video, it, the amp in that video, I sold to Ralph, uh, and he has it. And then I've since bought a blues deluxe. So I went from that amp. I sold it to him because I got the George Benson. Yep. And then for to be honest, I just wanted something tweed, so I got the blues deluxe. Um, and the only reason you don't see it in videos very often is it's uh, there's nothing to review about that amp. It's a really yeah. I think you ended up buying another Hot Rod Deluxe after it, too. I think I did, too. Uh, just because they kept coming out with different colors and stuff, yeah. and I finally decided Tweed was the thing for me. So, no, we haven't changed our minds on that at all. Yes. Uh, still love Hot Rod Deluxes. In fact, it's still pretty much the amp I... It's my baseline amp. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, you know what I like about Hot Rod Deluxes for me is I've had this where I fall in love with some crazy boutique expensive amp. And then I'll A-B it against the hot rod and I go, okay, well, maybe it's not that great because the hot rod sounds almost as good or as good. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you start looking at the price, you're like, is that $1,000 better than this hot rod? Yes. I agree. 
and it's not. <laughs> it's, uh, and then, um, let's see. Uh, there was another one. Oh, here's another one. Uh, Unfreaking Believable says that pedal show's newest video uh, insists that a noise suppressor on the pedal board is not necessary thoughts. And I saw you guys kind of bantering on that and talking about that. And I guess that's not exactly what they said. They said just it's not it's not that important. Um, here's the thing with a noise suppressor or noise gate pedal. I don't use high gain. I don't play high gain. I demo high gain for YouTube, but left to my own devices, I play a lot of low gain stuff. So I don't ever need a noise suppressor. To me, you put a noise gate suppressor in the effects loop or on the pedal board, you would put it like towards the end of the chain if you have a noisy pedal. That to me is a metal guy's problem, right? Um, I and, use a noise gate, so. Yeah, and, and, and so. Because I'm a high gain guy. So that would be a perfect example. So. To me, uh, whether or not it's needed, noise gates are easy. You don't need to be told if you need one, <laughs> right? Yeah. In fact, uh, here's a funny uh, story. He was trying out, I have the new Tremonti uh, MT-15. And of course, before the video, he was playing it and he was getting frustrated uh, with the, uh, the feedback, right? Yeah, it was feedback. It was kind of weird noise. I couldn't tell if it was the guitar, if it was the amp. And it's just because he's two feet from the amp and it's feeding back. So that would be a good example when he would want a noise yeah. gate. He, did, it, 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 he doesn't need it, but it would probably uh, make things a little easier for him. And let's see. Let's go to the next one. Those are the ones I pinned. Let's hit some more. I saw some super chats too. So give me one second, guys, because what's nice is the super chats get put into a nice little arch archive so we don't have to worry about them. Um, so let's go and grab some because... Okay, uh, here we go. The first one, the first one I just want to say was from Nutribox83, who just did a super chat, I guess, to say thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, next one's from Michael. It says, hey, guys, just got a job as a salesman at Guitar Center. I know how some people feel about the store, but I'm excited. Hit me up for deals. Uh, okay, in, in Arizona? Are you working in Arizona, Michael? Because um, I will hit you up for that. You know, my problem with the GCs in my area is I haven't found a, a dude. You know what I mean? Guitar Center. So, you know, people talk about Guitar Centers, but I've said this before. I mean, you'll have some input, I'm sure. Uh, companies are people. I don't care if the company is a big company or a small company. It's people. The problem with Guitar Center for me is I try to meet the people that work there, but then they don't work there when I go back. Because I, I don't go there every week or every month. I go every few months when I need yeah. something. I walk in. I've always done that. Even when I owned a store, I'd had to go to Guitar Center. I remember like being in a Guitar Center and a customer would be like, what are you doing here? And I think they were a little embarrassed because like 10 minutes ago, we were both in my store. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm like, well, I need – in fact, they actually better story than that. I sponsored an event for a local high school. Do you remember this? This is early on. And they wanted a PA. And we didn't sell PA, so I went to Guitar Center where I bought a PA. Yeah, we did, yeah. And the guys at Guitar Center are like, why are you here buying a PA? You have a store. I'm like, yeah, I don't sell PAs. We're a guitar shop. I need a PA for this high school. Um, so uh, so the answer to your question, I would hit you up, especially if you're local. If you're not local, let me know what city you're in because I do visit a lot of cities now. Um, thoughts on the bass breaker 45 combo? Yes. I, uh, liked, I like the bass breaker series. I did too. The 45 was loud though. It, everything about it. It's like a, it's like the basement 59, but it's better. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of ways had some options added to it, but it was just loud. Other than that, I thought they were great. I mean, as a pedal platform, it works, but I mean, I couldn't sit in my bedroom and crank it. Um, yeah, it's definitely a, a gigging out amp. Yes. 
of the base breaker series for me, the seven watt and 45 watt were my favorites in the way they sounded. I like the 18. So you ate the 18 and the 30 or do you like yeah, the 15? The 18. So the, so the 18 and 30 was just like the 45. It was unbearably loud for me. Um, it was just too much. Uh, but I liked the way they sound. I liked everything about them. Just usable. It wasn't usable for me to find a sweet spot. Um, because I like, like I said, I don't like a lot of gain. I like a little bit of gain. The hardest thing in the world is to get an amp with just a little gain quiet. Because how you get that gain is by pushing amps. You know what I mean? Distortion, when everybody's like, how can you, you know, can you get this amp quiet? Can you get this amp quiet? When you're talking about shredder amps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you just turn the volume down. The gain, you juice the gain, yep. you turn the volume down, and it's all saturated, you play quiet. But when I'm trying to get that edge of breakup, just that breakup at the end of a clean tone, uh, to mimic that quiet, it's a little trickier thing sometimes. Um, this is from Curtis, and then we'll get some uh, go to some regular questions again. This is a super chat question. It says, what amp modelers today contain Fender Tweed amp models like the 59 Basement? Uh, the Tiny Tweed and the Bandmaster. So this is a good question, and I'm curious to see what you think about this. This is why when a lot of people ask me if I use modelers, again, modelers to me, I think model amps that are dramatic. Like when somebody goes, oh, here's a JCM 800 model, and here's a, you know, here's a Mesa Boogie model. Those amps to me are dramatic. They're just, you know, they're high gain or they're high power, and they have this definite sound. But to me, modelers fall short when it's like, here's a Princeton. You're like, well, how do you know it's a Princeton versus a twin when it's just clean? You know what I mean? Um, so that's why I have trouble with modelers. I I don't I don't find the clean tones in modelers to be as convincing because you, you can't duplicate the clean that's the big yeah, deal it's tricky and and and, and this is probably where you're going to start fighting with people because people are like well what about axe effects and this and stuff and my experience with those is yeah they're good but to me like uh the difference between i was just telling him the difference between i have i don't know what we have in camera shot okay so i have the supra right here and i have the princeton on the other side and i was ab and them this morning because they're right there and they're so subtle in the difference of their clean that I mean, I don't know if the difference is because the speakers are different. The box shape is different. So, I mean, modelers can get you really close, but it gets a little tricky. Also, that is also my fault because part of modeling is experience. And you have to really play with modeling to get it right. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I've personally seen when a friend take a modeling amp that I thought sounded horrible, tweak with it for a couple of weeks, bring it back to me. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is nice. You know what I mean? So, um so I guess to, my, my answer to you, Curtis, would be what amp modelers do it. I don't think it's a modeler. Maybe it's just as you need to mess with the modeler until you find the right sound. Yeah. And, and again, going back to the clean's the hardest thing to, to, to try to mimic. That's why I like my Hot Rod Deluxe. I like that clean. That's the platform I start with. Then I start piling you know, all the junk on top of it. And I yeah. can go wherever direction I want. So again, modeling distortion, that's one thing. But modeling clean is is difficult yeah and the hot rod deluxe to me a lot of it is not the wattage but the box size because i've run my blues junior into a hot rod deluxe extension cabinet mm -hmm. and it has gotten more this or it got closer to the sound that i really appreciated the box sound the size of it so i like uh like here's a good example uh, a lot of people are like hey you like prs amps actually what i really love is the prs oversized cabinet that you see behind me uh what you see behind me on the floor there is a 212 oversized that thing is wider wider than a 412 it's huge and those 212 sound so big but because it's shallow and the box is pine it doesn't sound so bassy 
Um, and it's the closest thing I found to the old Fender oversized 212s. Okay, yeah. Um, so, so to me, sometimes the speakers and the box size have a sound that you it's hard to model because it's more of an EQ thing. But when you add EQ, to me, EQ sounds like EQ. No matter what you do, when you're EQ, if somebody says, oh, I like this cabinet because it's a little warmer and fuller sounding, and somebody goes, well, let me sweep that EQ and add more bass. Yeah. It's like my ear goes, yeah, but I can tell that you artificially put the bass there versus the, the resonance, natural. the natural resonance of the cabinet. Um, and, and that's the trick. And I could live without any of this stuff, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I could go to modeling, no problem. That's, that's, I understand when people are like, yeah, but I like modeling. I'm like, yeah, if I had to go to modeling, if my wife told me to knock off the volume tomorrow and I had to go to modeling, I'd do it. But at this point in my life, She's not giving me that ultimatum, so I'm going to still use speaker boxes until I can get away with it. You know what I mean? As long as I can get away with it. Um, the uh, What's the irony I told you? We happened to, you were with me the day it happened. I, we were jamming a loud basement 59 amp in my front room when my daughter came out and yelled that we were too loud. <laughs> and I looked at Ralph and I said, it is official. I have been yelled at by my parents for being too loud, and I've been yelled at by my children for being too loud. <laughs> I am now more intense than both the generation before and after me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so okay. So let's go back to some questions. They're moving by fast. So uh, let's do this real quick. Tony just did a super chat. I appreciate that, Tony. Uh, nothing, nothing's awesomer than uh, paying the bills. Okay. So, uh, uh, Miss Miss the Lang says. I started playing guitar because uh, I first got hooked on your videos. That's awesome. Daddy, like I said, that stuff, I'll never get sick of that stuff. Even if you guys get sick of me reading that stuff, <laughs> I'll never get sick of hearing it. Uh, there's no better compliment to be told by anybody, uh, you know, than somebody saying, hey, I, I've started doing something because of, of you. Yeah, what, of something what you, you do, what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, uh, that I like hearing way more. So you guys know, I love hearing that. I love hearing like, I, I like, cause your videos, I start working on my guitar. Cause your videos, I start playing guitar. I love that way more than cause of your videos. I bought another one of these. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I understand. I love buying stuff too, but sometimes man, just it's, it's always, you got to refocus sometimes back to the passion point, which is my passion is always going to be working on guitars, uh, talking about guitars, uh, music, talking about music, uh, more so than, you know, just, getting stuff but getting stuff is cool too let's not take <laughs> take any away from that there's there's a reason why i can't walk by a music store and they're like oh we better stop yeah uh yeah i don't think i've ever driven past a music store <laughs> so yeah we, we've turned around before like hey was that a music store it might have been well let's go back and double check david lawrence says hey guys where's the pedals okay first of all you can't see but in front of me is actually which has always been here, yeah. a, a rack of pedals too. So not only was there pedals behind me in the videos, there's always this wall of pedals in front of me too. Uh, they're there. There is also a giant uh, hefty bag. I mean, it's huge. I don't even know how many gallon it is. It's, it's, it's massive, but it's full of box of pedals that I'm going to be getting rid of. And, uh, and then, of course, I have pedals in my original totes that I used to... If you guys look back at old videos, I used to stock... The, I used to put my pedals in totes. Um they're here. They're here. Uh, the new new thing that's been happening with the YouTube channel that's tough is as the channel's grown, I find now uh, because my PO box is public, my companies are just sending pedals. 
And I, so I'm getting pedals now from every direction. It feels like, and I say no to 90% of the people who try to get me to review a pedal. And even then it's becoming too many pedals. So uh, I just wanted to declutter a little bit and push that stuff out and stay focused. I'm still only going to do a max of one pedal review a month, no matter what. Uh, I've never done really more than that. I don't plan to do more than that. So um, there's only so many different pedals. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm glad there's so many people making pedals. I think a, a, a choice is never a bad thing. But, you know, that being said, once I have, you know, my 10 favorite pedals of one kind of brand, I mean, there's great different versions, but I can't have 10 deep of every version of every pedal. That's just they, they start to pile up pretty they, quick around here. They start to pile up pretty quick. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, Todd Smith says, hey, I like the new digs, Phil. Uh, thanks. String question. What are the characteristics of different brands? Also, have you ever experimented with assorted gauges like what Hendrix used uh, to use? And then, hi, Ralph. Hey, Todd. You want to do it first? You take the question first or second? I'll take it second. All right, I'll start first. So strings, I've always said this. I don't think you should ever focus on a brand of string. I think it's okay to be brand loyal to strings that have, uh, you know, uh, my, my, my example of that is Daddario has always been the most consistent string as far as I'm concerned. Not best, consistent. Every package, open up, exactly, the just perfect, the same length, the same, you know what I mean, consistency. So when you recommend to somebody, you feel good about that. Um, DR strings, I've always loved the way they kind of felt and sounded, but they are literally all over the place with quality. Sometimes they're missing a string or I've had them where they rusted or they've had them where the one string was for like two feet longer than it should have been, <laughs> which is not a big deal. But it, again, yeah. if they let that through, what else did they let through? Um, still like DR strings. But what I tell people is you got to learn the metals that they're using because that's more important. Is it a nickel string, a pure nickel string, a nickel wrapped steel string? Is it, uh, you know, a, a flat wound? There's different kinds of metals, of course. There's different kinds of ways of doing it. Uh, some companies use what's called a hex core, where the core is like an uh, uh, an octagon, and they wrap it, and it, the corners bite onto the string and slips less, and some are round core. So you want to get into that. But something I will tell you that lends to the brands, and then I'll let Ralph take over, is... Um, I've always noticed that Ernie Ball 9s, I'm just picking on 9s, it's actually consistent throughout all the gauges, but Ernie Ball 9s feel stiffer to me than Daddario. So sometimes when a guitar feels too slinky, I learned this great thing from Elizabeth who works at GHS Strings. She said, you don't pick the strings the guitar does. And so some of my guitars, the 9s are Ernie Balls, and some are Daddario, and it has to do with how they feel. I let the guitar decide what, what gauge and brand string fit, fits right. Um, and yes, I have experimented with different gauge strings. I think everybody should do that. You learn a lot about yourself when you mess with uh, gauge strings. Uh, I learned that I love them all, but for me, sticking to the basics was the best for me. But I still love all the experience I gained messing with gauges. Yeah, I, I think, you no, know, trying to figure out what the characteristics are of each string is good to a certain point. Because in your head, on you know, one string band is going to look like... Um, the winner on paper. You go on paper, the way the string's made, what they use, what metals they use, that's going to be the winner for you. And then you play them, and you're like, I don't know if about this. So my, my, my suggestion was play them all. Try them all, and eventually you'll kind of get to where what you like on a guitar. Because, again, one guitar might carry one brand of strings, another guitar you might like another brand. So that's really my input. I don't really worry too much Um about the technical characteristics of the strings. It's what is each guitar like? 
Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Richard's got a question. It's great. It says, hey, guys, uh, uh, what are your favorite straps? Thoughts on Get Em, Get Em brand? Straps have found that they are very high quality. I have four different ones, but looking for something else because they are very expensive. Uh, maybe you have a good answer because my answer is going to be horrible, Richard. I only use DiMaggio clip lock straps. If you look at all my guitars, they literally have clip lock straps on there uh, from DiMaggio. Uh, in 1992, <laughs> I bought a DiMaggio strip uh, clip lock strap because Steve I had one and Paul Gilbert had one and Yngwie had one. And so I bought one and stuck it on a guitar. And then the first gig I ever played, I realized when I forgot uh, one of the straps that you can't put any other strap besides those on your guitars. So I was forced to put them on all my guitars so that uh, I can always have one strap. You know what I mean? Just like everybody else, one strap that fits on all the buttons. So I recommend highly, a lot of people have bought these because they see me use them, you know, especially at the store. Um, the uh, what's the do you remember the funny thing at the store? I think for first five years of the store, we didn't carry DiMaggio clip locks, but everybody asked me what I would have, and I would say it. Yeah, go, where do you get those? And I go, Well, I don't sell them because I think we both had them on our guitars at the time. Yeah, so I don't recommend them. Uh, they're good quality straps, obviously. I use them, but uh, like I said, once if you it's it's an all in game, <laughs> once you once you go this route, you're all in. I say that by the way, uh, with Dunlop strap locks and Schaller strap locks. Once you pick a strap lock, you're all in. You better pick that lock for, or that strap lock for all your guitars if you ever want to be able to interchange your straps. Um, but uh, do you have a suggestion? What, you, what straps you use? Are I you, use all kinds of different straps. Yeah. Do you just what you like or good I deals? I like the, the Marzios on my uh, on my strap. Um, I got the EVH one on my Charvel because I thought I was like, yeah, it's a Charvel. I might as well put an EVH on there. I don't know why. My PRS has a PRS strap. And everything else just has a regular black strap I found. Nice. So it's that's um, about it. Yeah. So it's basically I understand what you're saying. Straps are super expensive though. That's another thing I like about uh, clip locks. Uh, you can find deals on them. I've paid as little as twelve dollars a piece, which in the strap world, I mean, that's nothing. Nothing. I mean, straps. Uh, my joke one time. I just want to show the story because it's funny. Because you mentioned the get them, get them are expensive. I like um, Levy straps. I think quality wise are really good. Yes. But I, I really remember the day I upset a rep uh, that came in from Levy's, and they were showing, uh, they were showing um, uh, us some crazy leather strap, and it was one hundred twenty-five dollars. And I looked at the strap, and I didn't mean anything by it. I wasn't thinking. I walked by. They caught me off guard, and they were like, hey, Phil, what do you think of the strap? And I said, oh, this is nice. They go, it's $125. I go, yeah, so is a leather jacket. I go, where's the rest of it? I mean, for the same <laughs> price. I go, literally. Right. <laughs> and because uh, I was just in shock. I yeah. was like, this is, I mean, I mean, you can buy a leather belt for 40 bucks. You know what I mean? How is a strap different than a belt? Maybe should we should just buy leather belts and hook them on yeah, the guitars because you can get them cheaper. But, um, but yeah, good straps are always going to be expensive. I'm not sure what the logic of that is. Uh, I don't know. I can tell you this is from from all the years of retail experience. Every strap we ever ordered, we sold. Like there was no strap, yeah. no matter how crazy we thought the strap was when we ordered it, it it sold. So uh, Alexander's got to love the show and welcome back, Ralph. Base Breaker 15 or Bujera. V22 and why? You go first. I don't think I played the Bajero V22. Uh, so just knowing that, I'm going to go with the Bass Breaker. Yes. And yes. I would pick the Bass Breaker as well uh, because I am I trust Fender uh, amps more so than anyone else, uh, probably for quality. Some people don't like that, but uh, 
if you if you if you're if you buy a Fender amp, uh, it's going to be the easiest to service, the cheapest to fix, and most likely going to have the best warranty on it. So that's what Fender brings to the market. They they know that too, by the way. Uh, in fact, I, I right now, in case anyone's having had a bad experience with uh, Fender amps like when repair issues and you're typing a response i always want to remind everybody real quick or remind you before you uh, say the question say your response so some people have told me in the past they'll say hey i had a fender amp i took it in for a warranty and they wouldn't fix it and i go did you call fender though so this is what i'm going to tell you this is a very important thing i'm going to tell you and this really can consist with all warranties just because someone's an authorized warranty center doesn't mean that they're the best place you know, sometimes manufacturers, you know, they pick a warrant, you know, let me give you an example. Some amp repair guy will pick a warrant to become a warranty dealer so that he can get extra work or get people yeah. into his store. And then you bring in a Fender amp and he goes, oh, yeah, it's not covered under warranty. It's going to cost you 50 bucks. And you pay that 50 bucks. Um, what I would ever, I, especially with Fender, I would ask, beg you actually, please call their customer service and say, hey, this is the issue with my amp. And they're saying it's not a warranty. I've had this, I've given this advice to people before and had 100% of them tell me, I called Fender, Fender said it's absolutely under warranty and the vendor and the the, uh, the repair shop is wrong. And it's because sometimes the repair shop doesn't want to work for the lower negotiated price with Fender. Sometimes they're lazy and they don't call Fender to find out. The only exception to this, I've heard people say that they've called Fender and had trouble getting a part because it's back ordered. Yeah. And that I found to be true because we would intervene at that sometime call Fender and Fender would say, yeah, we're, we're waiting for the parts. You know, that's the, that's the downfall of the new world where everything's coming from Asia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything's being outsourced and it's coming in. It's you know, sometimes there are delays on the parts. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the, yeah, that's the problem. And they, they sometimes don't estimate it correctly. But um, in fact, uh, one of the cool things about Fender that they do, since we're on a Fender kind of, you know, pat on their back kind of thing, uh, you know, when they discontinue an amp, they know how many, so let's say they sell a thousand amps and they know the defect rate's 2%. They will take whatever the defect rate in, in amps, the number is, and when they blow out the last of the amps, they keep that behind. So at, even though they don't make the amp anymore and you have problems, they can swap them for you. Um, they're they're very legit when it comes to amps. So I'm I'm always going to say the base breaker over the Bajera for sure. Uh, and Bajera is a good company too. So you know, I mean, I I, you know, we all know how my wife feels about them. Uh, but 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 Fender is definitely a, a better buy, and I think they're almost around the same price, something like that. And if not, I'm sure you can find the the uh, Fender used for the Bajera new price. Um, okay, next one's from Gary. It says Phil, thanks for all the. All I've learned from you, your thoughts on sustain and lack of, okay, hold on. Okay, so your, my thoughts on sustain or the lack of with a top loaded string versus through the body on the telly, please. Oh, okay, this is a good question. Um, string through body versus top loaded strings. I always go through body on everything. Um, I don't know if I actually get more sustain. I like to think I do. Yeah, I, right. It's, it, should t it tells me I should have more sustain that way. But I just tend to, if I have the option, I always go through body. What I do is I, this is strange, but this is true. For my bass guitars, I top load them. I don't. I, I always I go never through body. go through body. Now on guitars, I go through body. But for me, it's not a sustained thing. I notice a difference in the way that the strings bend, the force. Okay. And I, and there's some there's some science behind this. Don't don't get me wrong. There's no like there's no myth behind this. Um, the when a string breaks over a bridge, how long that string is past the bridge and the angle it's pulled. When you're pulling on the string and it's stretching, that that distance has a variable of how 
much you can bend that string and stuff. There's some logic to that. Um, so to me on a guitar, I don't mind it. I want more sustain because I'm usually, you know, a little overdrive kind of holding a note. For a bass, uh, usually you want a lot of sustain, but with an active preamp, that sustain's been kind of, I mean, my bass yeah. is going to have that sustain anyways. Especially for me, I play light gate strings on my bass with really low action. So I'm, I'm forced to need the amp to put that tone back where I've, I've sucked out of the instrument. Um, but uh, yeah, so you like through body? And I that, always go through body. I don't know why. I, I, I just started doing that years ago and I still go th just go through the body if I have the option. Yep. Uh, so on guitars I do, but I just want to make a note for bass I top load. Um, and Chris says, hey, Phil and Ralph, I just bought a Pure SE 245. Uh, are, the, the, are there any parts on it I should look at changing or just leave everything stock? So I've said this before, I'm sure of it. I had a PRS SE245, uh, which is the import. I regret getting rid of it. To this day, I don't know why I got rid of it. I've been looking for another one like it. It was the right color, the right weight. It played great. And I did the thing that's dumb that we do sometimes. I played it and I go, yeah, and if this is good, then <laughs> I sell it and I get the more, more expensive one. It'll be better. And this is a true story. I bought a more expensive one-piece top one that I loved, but it didn't love as much the SE. So... Uh, to answer your question, uh, no, I, I think, I, you know what my answer is going to be. I would put locking keys on it uh, just for faster string change. Um, I like fresh strings. That's the whole locking keys for me. I want to be able to change strings. Plus, um, I find that if uh, changing strings is a pain in the butt, I won't do it. And if the strings are dead, I won't play it. And I just play the guitar that has the freshest strings. So, But uh, that, I like the pickups in it. There's the bridge I would leave alone. I would leave it alone. Uh, locking keys. Uh, you got suggestions? Yeah, I would say just at, at no locking keys at most right now um, until you find something about it you don't like. Um, and, that, and I think that goes for any guitar. You know, people go, I, I bought this guitar. What should I do to it? Well, nothing. Just play it. No, make the corrections, make the changes as you go along. Yes. Unless, of course, you bought the guitar specifically the hot rod. Then that's a whole different story. Yes. Uh, there was a question I love. Uh, Bud H says, do the birds on a PRS make the guitar sound better? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you play better, too. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, they make them sell better. Yeah. That's true. They, they, uh, you, even Paul Reed Smith himself said he was shocked at how much the bird how well the birds did he thought it was originally it was just gonna be this thing he put on some of the guitars and it become a standard remember it wasn't available on the se's and uh this is actually a funny story what was the one with the bats on it damien instructor damien no no uh, the, the, the PRS, prs with a bat is that the paul allender it was purple and uh, it had bats on it and that became one of the best-selling se's because it was the closest thing to the birds because it had bats um so is i understand the comment but i i just it's funny uh the birds are what kind of people associate with prs you know what it is and this is and this is to take a question like that and just kind of give some insight i know the question is more of a kind of a humor thing but it is funny it is funny for another reason look at block versus dot inlays on gibson's i wouldn't buy gibson with dot inlays yeah so it's funny it's it's just silly you know my biggest problem is uh is as silly as birds on a guitar makes me want it is because that's pretty silly and it's uh dumber than that for me is why i own a, a les paul standard over studio because of binding on the neck there's some other differences between the standard and the studio but i'm lying if i tell you that's why i buy a standard i buy a standard because i want binding on the neck 
if they would bind a, 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 a studio, you'd uh, buy the studio. I'd buy the studio. I, I don't care. Uh, I just like the way the. In fact, um, funny story. I have the uh, PRS five ninety four behind me. The main reason for the five ninety four is it has bound neck. I just kind of associate that look uh, to the guitar as being classy. And when it commands top dollar, I want it to be classy, top dollar look. You know what I mean? I, I, I really don't enjoy paying top dollar for guitars that, you know, that are, are tricked out in every way they can. And But it's different strokes for different folks. Some people hate binding and think it looks cheap. You're not wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, you, you know, it's, sadly enough, um, it probably has to do with when you grew up what you wanted. Yeah, and I think it's also who you see play in it and everything else. And but but like no, the, going back to the Gibson, the blocks. That's to me, that's what a Gibson is. Yeah, and that's silly. That's great marketing. It is, and and anything else messes with my head when I see Gibson with the dot inlays. I'm like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, well, that's how those studios used to be. Yeah. They were solid mahogany and they had dots, and it was like you had a you had a Les Paul, but it wasn't a Les Paul. And then they put the maple caps on the studios. And then they put the, the pickups that come in the standards in the studios and you'd play them and you go, well, I don't know why this isn't a real Les Paul anymore because uh, it's got block inlays. I mean, if you yeah. think about this, again, I guess there's a difference in the thickness of how thick the slab of maple is and stuff, but I don't care. Like that, when I pick up a studio sometimes and I play it, I go, yeah, this is just like my guitar. <laughs> and your brain starts going, okay, if I sell my standard, I'll get 18 for it. I could buy a studio for a thousand, put 800 in my pocket. And, and then I thought, I think about that and I go, if I stacked $800 on this table right here and said, okay, I can have $800 on binding, what would I pick? And I know it's 800 bucks, but maybe not because there it is. Well, right the, there. The, well, the first thing would be the 800 bucks. The second time would be the binding. Yeah. And I know it's psychological. Here's why. Uh, some people love uh, bound, uh, you know, guitars, mm -hmm. but funny enough, my favorite, one of my favorite strats of all time from Fender is the Eric Johnson strat. I think it's one of the best made strats Fender ever made. And the, but I like Rosewood. So then they made an Eric Johnson Rosewood Strat. And I thought, this is it, but it's bound. It's got binding. The exact same logic that tells me to buy, pay more for a Les Paul tells me not to, to buy, buy that guitar because I don't like binding on a Strat. I kind of do associate binding with, with the Les Paul. Though. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, and I've said this before, and if it diminishes people's opinion of me, I, I understand. But I'm a product of like I'm a I'm a product of marketing like anyone else. You know what I mean? Uh, I try to to grow past it. I try to get around it. I try to make wise decisions as best I can, which I do a lot of times. But sometimes, just the way you grow up and you see things, it does color the way you look. You know what I mean? At things, it just does. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're done with that. Let's go on to this one. Hey, Phil, room looks great. Thank you. With an, uh, a new eye candy JP6. Yeah, JP6 uh, behind me uh, is in that blue pearl. Um, I'm going to be doing a video of that guitar. Uh, hopefully that video will be next week because there's going to be a lot of videos to make up for last week not being done because of something we'll announce at the end. And, um, and uh, I'm putting some very crazy pickups in that guitar that Larry DiMaggio gave me. So... Uh, my joke is they're the most expensive free pickups I ever got in my life because I ended up buying a, a JP6 to put these pickups in. Um, the next question is, Ralph, any recommendations between a Les Paul Supreme and an R9? Also, ever checked out LS, LSL guitars? I have not. 
Love the show. Cheers. That question is for you. Supreme or the R9? Are you into Gibson Les Pauls enough to know? I don't think I'm into Gibson Les Pauls. Like I said, no. That SG is my first Gibson. And I'm not a huge Les Paul dude. I like the way they look. I like the single cut look. That's why I got my SC250. Was I wanted a single cut, but I didn't want to. I, I didn't want a Les Paul. And again, it goes back to the same problem with the SG. I never played a Les Paul that I really liked. So I will give that question to you, Phil. Um, I would do a Supreme. Uh, the reason is, is I'm definitely a, a modern guy. Uh, the R9 reissue guitars. Uh, like, like, for example, I love the Eric Johnson. Why? Because even though it's based on a, like a 57 Strat and it's got that, it's got the 12 inch radius. I'm more of a, give me a, uh, give me something that looks old, but has all the modern features. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like to me, it's uh, here's a good example. This is horrible. I'm horrible because I'm not a car guy, but this will uh, tie into Ralph. This will make sense. So when they made the Mustangs look like old Mustangs again, you know, mm -hmm. I thought that was the greatest thing ever because I'm like, oh, cool. Because Ralph had this old Mustang. Was it 69? Yep. 69. I remember he was so excited. He got this 69 Mustang and uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, I got a 69 Mustang. And he comes by to pick me up. And I think it was probably June. Right. It was it was summertime. Yeah. And I get in this thing, and it's all black vinyl. It's a red 69 Mustang. And, of course, he's so excited because he's going to floor it and show me how I can't touch the dash. <laughs> and all I remember was heat coming out of the stupid uh, vents. Uh, vents. Uh, the AC did – there was no AC. The engine heat was killing me. The heat from the outside was killing me. The vinyl was hot and sticky. Like, it was the most horrible experience. But here's what I did notice. The radio not, was loud. The radio was loud. But that, here's what I was going to – the reason why the story is important. I did notice this, though. Every time we stopped at intersection, everyone rolled out the window to say, talk, talk yeah. to you about your car. And I was like, oh, so I get the car's cool, but the features suck, right? Yeah. So to me, it's like make cars look good like that, but put AC in them and maybe better seats and yeah. you know better uh, uh, seat belts. And So I like the whole make it look cool and old, but modernize it a little bit. Why not? Make, why not take the best of everything and put it together? So... Uh, Panhel Gear uh, demo says, get a Kemper. I will not promise anything because I said last year I was going to get a modeling uh, thing. Uh, you know, part of the issue I have is uh, I, I want to get into modeling, but it takes so much time to do the research and do the work. I've talked about this before. And I thought by now one of those companies would, you know, kind of want to yeah. work with me a little bit. You know, let me borrow one. I just want to borrow one. So if you guys have any cloud out there, anyone knows anything, I, I don't need, I don't, you know, don't pay me. Don't give me any free gear. Just any modeling company, whether it's Helix or, or uh, uh, Headrush, uh, Axe, uh, Axe FX or Kemper. I mean, if anyone would be willing to loan me a piece of gear for a month, I mean, let's be honest, I got to, I want to yeah. get into this. And I have friends in town that can help me with it. And I would love to do a detailed review on it and, and give you an impression of someone who's not into modeling and what I think of the modeling now. Um, I'm, I'm really curious because I, I think in my back of my head, if I buy one of those units, it'll change me and I'll, I'll be that kind of person now. I'll be into the modeling units. But the, the thing that scares me is I think also I'll buy one of those and I won't like it. Well, not won't like it. I won't work with it. It's not about liking it. It's about, you know, to try, I tried the Neutroni amp. I turned it on, <laughs> flipped the second switch, turned a knob into a sweet spot, played for a few minutes and go, yeah, yeah, this is good. Um, I'm really like, just turn. I don't want technology. Sometimes I just want to turn stuff on and just make it make it be a sound. Because there's gonna be uh, a time investment with the modeling. Yes, 
Uh, and, uh, but it, you know, maybe it's time. So if that, if none of those companies want to loan me one, maybe it's time I find a different way and we get something worked out. Uh, okay. All right. So we got a couple questions here backed up. Um, next one is for Saray says, have you tried the Ibanez AZ? If yes, how does it compare to the Fender HSS? Uh, I have tried the, uh, Ibanez AZ. I tried it at the NAMM show, uh, Martin and, um, uh, and Tom, uh, the, uh, the, I tried theirs. They were amazing. And, uh, I like them a lot. I like them as much as the Sir guitars. I'm sure you could agree for that. Um, and, um, compared to the Fender, it just, you know, I don't think they compare. Here's why. I think the Ibanez AC series, when I played them, had a very, very music man and Sir kind of approach. It's a very high end feel, like feel, F E E L, feel. PRS HSS, I obviously am a Fender guy. Fenders are not about a high-end feel to me. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, I always I always associate Fender with the working man. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's like it's not the it's good, but it's not gonna be crazy. Yes. Uh, like I have a Fender custom shop, my copper strat, and it feels more refined. It does feel a little bit more like a Sir or a Tom Anderson or, you know, uh, uh, something of that nature. But majority fenders to me, they have this great feel, but they're not, you know, refined in every way. So the AZ, so to me, I don't, if you're, if you're looking at the AZ versus the HSS, to me, they're two different, dramatically different guitars. It would be, to me, it'd be the AZ, even if you're looking at the Indonesia one against the Music Man stuff and Sir is what you'd be for feel, the way they feel to me. Um, just an impression. So there you go. And sound wise, they have a, uh, uh, even though they're H single single or H H, uh, same thing, different, different. Uh, I have a, uh, American professional strat with H H and, um, it to me is still a different, different guitar in every way. It doesn't vibe like the, the AZ, um, the AZs feel a lot smoother and better. And, and here's something that's weird. And this is a good question for you. This is another reason maybe to articulate what I'm saying. Sometimes the better a guitar plays, the more, the, like I said, I'm using the word refined, the better it is. There's some things that are great about that. Like you play a little smoother, you play a little faster, right? Mm -hmm. Everything feels really good. But sometimes that's not what I want. I want a gu guitar that's not fighting me, but it's not making everything so easy. Because um, uh, when I pick up a guitar that's really easy to play, I start playing a lot of scales. <laughs> I don't even know why I don't play scales. I play chords, <laughs> but I'll start playing scales. You'll watch me. You've seen me. Yeah. yeah. I'll just, I think everybody does. I feel like I can play fast all yeah, the time. It's like a guitar. It's like a really refined guitar takes away a lot of resistance. And all of a sudden you just feel like you play a little faster, a little better. And that might be good. But if you're like me and you're just playing chords all the time, I kind of want it to be just kicked back a little bit. I, I guess, you know, what I equate it to is a car with horsepower. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? If a car is so easy to drive and it's so fast and smooth, you look down and, and you're like, I'm doing 100. I thought I was doing 40. You know what I mean? And so I, sometimes I don't want to go 100 when I'm supposed to be going 40. Sometimes I want to feel like 40 is 40. You know what I mean when I'm driving? Uh, you got input on that? Because I know you play a lot different than me. Yeah, again, the same thing. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like your frame is. You pick up that frame is because it's so smooth. You try to play fast. Well, yeah. I try to play fast on it anyways. I'm like, it's cool. I get bored with it too quick. I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is fun. It's great. It's not my thing. Uh, let me go grab, you know, a Strat or something else and kind of bang on and, you know, treat differently, play differently. So, yeah, that's, 
That's what's nice. Uh, HK says, hey, Phil and Ralph, do you ever set up guitars exactly to Fender Gibson or G&L specifications as they, as they stipulate online? Thank you. No. Uh, yeah, no, no, I don't either. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure we do it for the same reason. Uh, I cannot, I'm not here to accuse anyone of anything, obviously, right? Yeah. But I'm going to give you my interpretation. A lot of times when I read the specifications that those manufacturers put out on their guitars, I feel like those specifications are based on them, not the best the guitar can play, the best the average guitar could play, right? It's the best it can play without being sent back for warranty. Yes. It's like they're saying, it's like a perfect example. Some guitars, not all guitars can be set up the same without work yeah right um sometimes people come in with some really specific measurement requirements on guitars they'll come in and they'll say i want this i want this i want this and you go through the guitar and the first thing you realize is like well that ain't gonna happen unless we crown a level these frets you know what i mean and and we gotta correct a few issues you know right and that's not every guitar by far but sometimes a guitar uh well here's a good example i could take five fenders right now strats and set them up and the time it would take variates between them. Overall, the average three of them will be about the same time, but one will be really fast and one will take a long time because of the luck of how it was constructed, the piece of wood, the the, the person who assembled it, believe it or not, how they assemble a guitar can change things dramatically. Um, so I, a lot of times I felt like those manufacturers put a, a, uh, a not a requirement, but they put a standard out there that's easy to hit. Yeah, the factory spec. That was always yeah. a joke pulling stuff out of the box. Yeah. Complaining, like, what's wrong with this? You're like, oh, factory spec. Yeah. And, and and it makes sense to them. Their logic is, you know, you find a number that almost every guitar can hit and go, okay, that's the number. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go, look, <laughs> there it is. Um, and here's a good example. I'll pick on someone that's perfectly, that, that my pet peeve one is Paul Reed Smith guitars. Paul Reed Smith himself on every interview says, you can take my guitars out of the box and play them. He's right, but they play like crap. There, I, I have never pulled a PRS out of a box, strummed a chord, and go, yeah. I, I Every single one I pick up and I go, oh, man, the action is so high. It's so high. But what's great about Paul Reed Smith is quick adjustment, maybe 10 minutes. You're dialed in. You're playing fine. But out of the box, they're always high. They don't feel right. Um, they're playable. They're playable. I mean, playable is a word, right? He's using that word. You could pick yeah. it up. You could go to the gig and play it. Yeah, you could totally play it. Is it? And the reason I say that is I, I have experienced the opposite of that. I've experienced back in the day, you don't see this anymore, but back in the day, Jackson guitars made in the USA and Japan. Ivan's guitars made in Japan. Uh, ESP guitars made in Japan. Um, what else? I'm trying to pick up some other guitars. Uh, they, they would come out of the box dead perfect. Like you would pick them up. They were just perfect. Shipped across the planet <laughs> out of a box. And they would play great. Um, and that's just time. You know, people are like, well, it's this and this. And I'm like, no, it's because how much time was put into the guitar making sure it was right before it left. So a lot of manufacturers put a looser standard on everything. And, and again, you know, if they're pumping out 500, 600 guitars a day, you can't have a very strict standard there. No. No. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not, that's why I want to be clear. I'm not calling anyone out. I'm just saying, you but know. No, but no, we never set up a guitar up to the factory standards no it I, was always to the customer standards what did the customer want yes. um no vast majority said hey no low action no buzz that was the, the common phrase um every now and then you'd get one guy look at you funny he's like no 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 i play chords yes i need i need it 
up high, but yeah. Those are the weirdest ones I've ever, to this day, I, st I get them to this day. I love it when somebody comes in and goes, hey, Eric, can you set up a guitar like really high action? And I'm like, yes, I can. This is going to be great. I like it's, you know what I mean? Because it's most people, we never did it. We always say we're going to have a t-shirt that says, I know, I know, low action, no buzz. Everybody who comes in, I know, I know, low action, no buzz. I get it. No buzzing, super low action. Gotcha. Like, do you want a little sizzle on it or no, no sizzle? No buzzing, low action, no buzzing. And, uh, you know, and you put your best, for, you know, the forward. Um, so, uh, by Mosey says, PRS doesn't make 600 guitars a day. It's more like a thousand a month. Uh, let's see. What are they? I can tell you what they're doing. Here, hold on. Let's, let's see. I, uh, I'm going to say that. So, they make about 1,100 S2s a month. Mm -hmm. And then that means they probably make about a thousand John Mayers a month, nine hundred John Mayers a month. So that's about two thousand guitars. Yeah. Then cores are probably about five hundred. That's a guess. And then SEs they move out about a hundred a day. So that's twenty six hundred a month. So PRS is probably pumping out like three four thousand guitars a month. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you're you're right. I'm just curious. Yeah, but, I mean, but again, you know, we go back like Fender that pumps out six hundred six hundred guitars a day. Yeah, they're a thousand a day. I think. Are they up to a thousand dollars a day? That. Yeah. So, you know, guitars are up on an upswing. If you guys haven't heard, everybody's really busy. PRS is barely busy. Fender's busy. Uh, Gibson seems pretty busy, uh, despite the bankruptcy. Um, Kiesel is the uh, same thing as busy. And uh, you could say it's all just, uh, you know, uh, them jocking around and saying stuff. But the re reality is you, you can tell this not because they're saying it, but because the back order draw. And a year ago, there was a back order, but that's because they had they've been reducing production to align with the market. And what's happened is that reduction in, in production uh, over the last year or two has created, uh, has allowed us guitar fanatics to buy up the used market a little bit. So the used market is not as bloated. So they're all seeing a decline, uh, an increase in sales now because the used market is not as fat as it was. It's not gangbusters. I'm not saying that anything's changed, but there is an uptake in it. And you can tell when you contact all these, when I deal with these manufacturers yeah. now and you go there and you see it, they seem busy. Um, and, um, and so that's good. I think that's all good news. Um, let's see. What else do we got? It says, uh, Yel Jay Yelton says, how would you set up the action on a baritone? I have a PRS SE277, and uh, you just said it. The action is too high. Thanks uh, for stickers. Oh, yeah, you got stickers? Awesome. I hope you enjoyed them in the pics. Um, the uh, action on a baritone. So, yeah, that's tricky because the strings are so so thick. Um, the action is really going to be tricky because I'm sure a lot of it is the neck is got forward bow. It's being pulled in by the, the, the So much tension with those strings. Yeah. Um, this is an impossible thing to do. Obviously I can't kind of guide you through a process, not looking at a guitar. I can't tell. I don't know if it needs the adjustment off the bridge or the adjustment on this. Um, what I can tell you though, is that, uh, even a PRS SE are some of the easiest guitar, easiest guitars to adjust for the reason that they use a socket style, um, truss rod, which I love. So it's harder to strip them. In fact, it's impossible. And, uh, so I think you could watch a tutorial on how to set up an SE or a PRS uh, guitar and get a sense of it. Um, I, I, I set up a lot of PRS guitars, but I, even then I'm always very, very forthcoming with my uh, customers. My buddy, Joe, Joe, <laughs> uh, Joe said it best one day. I was setting up a PRS guitar one day and he walked by and he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm doing a setup on this PRS. And he goes, people pay you for that. 
Like he's like, don't they just set up their own PRSs? He goes, I would never pay anybody to set up my PRS. It's like the easiest guitar to set up. I agree. If there was one guitar that's easiest, it's it's how PRSs set up their guitars. Um, Gibsons can be easy because uh, they're the same kind of construction, but um, but a PRS SE baritone, uh, I'd have to see it to to see what. It but yes, yeah, so you you already detected it. It needs an adjustment. Okay, let's find a non super chat question real quick. Uh, Okay, what do you guys got? There's there's 967 of us. You guys are awesome. Okay. Um, <laughs> somebody says, do you set up PRS guitars to factory standards? No, same rules apply. I have not found a factory that's aggressive with their setups. So, like I said, they set all the specifications to something that's good, but not the optimum way to play not for what i feel but again like ralph said we do what people ask us to do uh you know and and if they don't know what they want then we have to kind of guess um but um in most cases people are trying to get their action a little better you know kind of like what you just heard just now with somebody saying they got their baritone the action is a little high it's a little bit of workout a baritone especially i don't know if you guys understand this the higher the action there's there's a benefit and a, and a, and a downfall to high action the first thing is higher action generally sounds better. The strings ring louder. They're uh, they they it has a more bass response. It sounds better. A lot of musicians chords sound really good on it. It is not uncommon. In fact, it's extremely common to have musicians raise their action in the studio for the recording process, but lower action for tours. Uh, tours uh, because of what I'm about to tell you. Higher action usually equates to better tone, more sustain. Lower action is like lower fatigue on your fingers. You can play longer. There was a study done once that said that if you lowered the action, it would tell you, and somebody even figured out, like, you know, if you lower the action to this, uh, you the amount of effort you put in your, your hands and tendons, you get an extra 15 minutes of playing, of, of, of practice, um, without, uh, what do you call it? With, uh, with the same amount, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's, so that makes sense. So you get, you get more time playing. And I agree with that. I find that the action is a little lower. It's a little easier to play and you can play a little longer without getting any, getting tired. Um, and a lot of people who are at home bedroom players don't notice this issue, but those of you out there that are watching, and there's a lot of you too, that do the weekend gigs or have local bands, they know what I'm talking about, man. Sometimes I've had this happen. I don't know about you, uh, where I'm playing live and you just hit that wall sometimes in your hands. You know what I mean? You're just you start getting fatigued. You're just fatigued. You just can feel it. You know, you're, sometimes it's the weight of the guitar on your shoulder. Um, you know, you start looking at the set list. You're like, how many more songs do I got to get through? Yeah. And to me, it's also, you know, it's a, it's a horrible timing. It's right when the band decides a ballad. <laughs> it's like, it's not the fast song to get you. It's the you, you, you've been working it, and then all of a sudden you hit the slow song, and that is actually harder. Uh, 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 Phil X said sometimes when he's doing uh, Bon Jovi, because he does so many bar chords, that his hand cramps, and then when he goes to solo, it's like he's got to like shake his hand out and get the solo out because his hand's cramping from the bar chords for an hour. So, um, okay, so we'll do another one. Somebody says, buy an SG. We did buy an SG. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're, Michael, you're telling that to the wrong people. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Doug Burt 5 says, why are new fenders so heavy? Heavy is is probably the wood. And my my guess would be um, is there's, there's, well, I think personally there's more heavy guitars than light guitars. Would you agree? 
Uh, like, what do you, what do you, what's the, like the seven and a half pounds? Is, so, is yeah. that ideal? So like, here's my theory. You tell me if you agree. We pick right now, we go to some, we go to a Fender's warehouse. We pull 20 strats. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Americans, made in Mexico, Squires. I don't care. 20 strats out of the box. Uh, six of them will be heavier than the other four. The average will be heavier than lighter, right? So yes. Okay. So um, because of wood, just the way the wood works. So the more sap and moisture and crud that's in the wood, the heavier the piece of wood. So the better it's uh, dried out. Here's a good example. Look what happens when they do roasted maple next. Those things are like air because they, they, they dry them so well. So uh, when you say I picked a bunch of fenders or the new fenders are so heavy, um, they go through. It could be. It's think about this. It could be time of year season. The wood supply they got. Maybe they got a lot of wood that had a lot of moisture content, and even drying it, they weren't able to extrude all of the moisture out or they the didn't sound. dry it long enough or and, and or it could be the region they pulled that wood from there's a lot of factors but um my my point is is that no matter how heavy a fender is so when people tell me like i picked up a guitar and it was really heavy and i don't like that brand now and i go well you could pick up 50 for that brand and you know what i mean uh i only own one heavy guitar it's that les paul all of my other guitars are about seven and a half pounds or less it's just how I am. I just don't like guitars that are, oh, uh, no, my PRS 594 is eight pounds on the dot. And I think that's too heavy for me. I like my guitars lighter. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between the, between the PRS and the Les Paul, where the PRS is like a balanced heavy. Right. I'm okay with that. It's the unbalanced heavy. Like Les Paul, it's back heavy. So you constantly feel like it's, it's doing this on you. Yes. So that's what I really don't like. So um, I'm not as... Um, uh, fanatic about the weight of the guitar, but it needs to be balanced. That's my yes. big thing. If it's a balanced eight pounds, eight and a half pounds, I'm fine. Yes. And I agree with everything you say. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to go wrap up a couple ones because we're on the button up this real quick. And uh, the next one was, uh, this is Kill Bon Jovi. Hey, that's Okay. <laughs> I don't think Bon Jovi likes that name. Uh, it says, hey, Phil, why can't companies make a single humbucker super strat like the ones from the 80s, much at, uh, 80s such as Kramer? Uh, less routing could be mean lower cost. Um, single humbucker super strat. Yeah, well, they can make whatever they want. They, they don't because the sales. You know yeah. what I mean? The, the, the reality is uh, the reason why in the 80s there were so many super strats with one humbucker was because there were so many musicians playing that. I mean, you had obviously Eddie Van Halen, you had Warren D. Martini. Uh, you know, there was a ton of players out there. Uh, uh, I think I remember the guy from Skid Row was only playing one humbucker. I mean, there's a ton of guys just playing one humbucker. Uh, what's the guy from uh, uh, from Quiet Riot? Didn't he only have one humbucker too in his guitar? Again, uh, uh, so there was a lot of guys. There was a lot of them. And so that affects the sales, you know, what people see and what people hear and what music's going on. So that's why they don't do it. Uh, obviously, the Eddie Van Halen EVH stripe guitars still have one humbucker, and I don't think that the less riding would would save that much cost over overall, and, anyways. And it's because people don't think of this. One of the complaints, and you're not alone. One of the complaints I heard when I did the Philex uh, guitar review was, you know, he plays a one pickup guitar, but then the guitar that the, the mass produced one came with two pickups. I agree. I thought that was kind of weird, and I, I kind of wish it had the one humbucker too. Um, Daniel Psychic says possible reasons for string buzz between 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 tuning peg and saddles on a CE24 with locking tuners happens with 9 to 42s and 10 to 46. Uh, 10 to 46. 
which, is which was set up for. So the question is possible reason for string buzz between tuning. Oh, it sounds like the nuts slotted too big and it's rattling around in there. So yeah, they might have drilled the hole too big and the tuning keys rattling in there. That's possible. And you tighten the tuning key. I know that sounds obvious. Uh, so you want to make sure you tighten the tuning key, tighten the the not only tighten the the nut on all six on the top, uh, but also make sure that the screw on the the actual tuning peg is tightened on each yeah. one. Those will rattle too. Um, also make sure the nylon washer isn't missing. There's a nylon washer in between each one, and sometimes those go missing. Those are all possible reasons. Yeah, but other than that, it's it sounds like. Like the string was slotted too too thick in the nut, and it's just rattling yep. in there. The string, uh, yep. the The nut slot is if they do all that. I agree with Ralph. It's going to be the nut is cut wrong, unfortunately. Um, and there's a quick, easy way to fix that. It's just tell. Uh, try to isolate what string is doing it. If it's all the strings, that's fine. Use a piece of paper. Put a piece of paper and cut a little, just a little teeny piece of paper, and put a piece of paper in each slot of the uh, the nut, and put the string on there. And if it goes away, then you know it's the nut. The great news for you is, if that is the case, I can tell you this: you can uh, get warranty on that. You can call PRS, take it to a PRS warranty center, get a new nut. If you would like, also like, you could probably call PRS and they'll send you a nut. The nut is pre-cut and it will drop in in a second. It's a pretty easy thing to do. Uh, again, and uh, but that's where I would definitely focus a lot of the energy is on the nut not being correct. After you've determined that all the tuning keys are tightened to a like, Yeah, the, like the rattle is coming from the string itself and not a machine head just kind of flopping around a little bit. Okay, and the last one is from Gunka Zip, Gunky Zip. Gunky Zip says, hey, I'm thinking about getting the Line 6 HD 500X, but now there's a discount. But now there's a discount. Is there a new better version in the pipeline? Um, yeah, that I would. I don't know. I don't have any inside information, but I will tell you this: that unit's been out for quite a while. So, uh, and technology they announced today, I guess, or when the last day or two, uh, Line Six is the last a new amplifier line or a new amplifier. So, um, I would imagine they have new stuff coming out. So, probably end of the year or around uh, yep. winter and, and discounts only happen when they can't sell the unit or there's a new unit coming out. So one of the two is the reasoning, but that shouldn't change the way you feel about it. It's one of those things like you always take a chance when you take a, when you buy a piece of technology on a deal. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. Oh, you're talking yeah. Melissa B. Yeah. She, okay. Melissa. Okay. So she just want to make sure that gets yeah. in there. Um, Melissa B wanted to do a shout out uh, to my wife uh, for doing the ladies t-shirts. I'll let her know. That's yeah. Cause your wife did a good job on that. She did the new, the new ladies t-shirt version is awesome. I uh, appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, so back to the, the the last part on the on the uh, the line six thing is you take a chance when a piece of technology is on discount that you're either going to get the better deal uh, and lose out on the opportunity of the new new changes, or there's not going to be a whole lot of changes, uh, it, but you got to save some money. So you have to make the decision yourself. Um, if I like the unit and I got a chance to save some money, I'm not, I don't really worry about what I might be missing. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. imagine, you know, they come out with a new one and go, oh, this one makes coffee too. I didn't know that. Yeah, but if you like the unit and it's the price you want to pay for it, then then what's a win? Yes. Okay, so on that note, we're going to be going, but I want to make an announcement real quick that's important to me and uh, to thank all you guys for hanging out so long, almost a 1,000 of us, 975. So on the 28th of July, 
I will be doing a restring event. Actually, Ralph's going to come hang out too. Well, you're um, restringing. I'm, I'm there. He's, for, I'm there doing the restring. So I'm uh, there for sarcastic comments. Yes. So he's here for. So here's what that means. Sam Ash in Glendale, Arizona. So if you're in Arizona and you want to come, it's a free event. I will be working the store from 10 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. That is 10 hours if you haven't done the math yet. Uh, I will be working all 10 hours restringing your guitars sponsored by Daddario, which means they will be providing the strings. I will be providing the service. What does that mean? You bring your guitar. I will fill out one of my inspection sheets, just like on uh, Sharpen Your Axe, giving you all my uh, uh, kind of thoughts on your guitar, what you might want to do to your guitar. You can do that yourself or find a local person to do the repairs. And uh, I'll restring your guitar, service it, and uh, take care of it for you. You can hang out and just talk to me, whatever. It's just an event. Sam Ash, of course, is, uh, is sponsoring this one. And, of course, Diodario. Uh, they also will be giving uh, some free stuff away and giving some smoking deals. There is, if you go to the New Year Gear Facebook, I'll make sure there's a link in this video. You can RSVP for the event. Uh, if you'd like to make sure you get a spot. Um, I have no idea how many people will come. All I can tell you is this. If five people come, we're all going to lunch. If yeah. 50 people come, I will be sweating and working. Uh, if 500 people come, I will... Uh, I'll sneak out the back. Yeah, I'll sneak out the back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, we're actually set up, so it doesn't matter how many people are coming. There's more, uh, there's, there's more than enough help to get this done. This is to say thank you to you guys. That's why I'm doing this. Uh, I And I want to thank the stores that I've reached out to. This is the first one, but there's more stores. I'm going to be doing more states, more cities. Literally, these stores, I said, hey, I want to go there and do something for the people that watch this channel. And uh, I thought, it's like mini sharpen my axes in real time. And there's a video coming out next week that will tie into this that will make it even more exciting, I promise. Uh, I don't want to leak it yet because I'm really excited about it. And uh I really appreciate you guys. Anyone that wants to come out to the event, like I said, go to the uh, to the uh, Facebook, Facebook page. page and on the knowyourgear.net website. We'll have some information on that soon. Um, and uh, yeah, so like you guys are calling out cities and stuff. Trust me, my plan is to go everywhere I can. I will tell you this. I said I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it now. Uh, the Sam Ash guys have alluded that if this does well, they'll do other places as well. I've already talked to other stores about doing them there too. So again, this is, this is something I want to do. I thought it'd be funny. Uh, funny. That'd be fun to do. Uh, I, I don't mind work. How about that? So I'll, I'll be there working for you guys. This is for you. This is a thank you for you to you guys. Yeah, it's a mini Sharper Max. Exactly. On the road. On the road. Uh, so again, uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to see you guys. I hope you come out. And uh, I, I promise I'll have some secret stuff there too to make it funner. And um, <laughs> everybody says they're bringing their 12 string. I'm like, ah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, on that note, I want to thank Ralph for hanging out. Yep. Uh, I appreciate him hanging out and doing this with me today. I appreciate all you guys. Uh, oh, Jeff, uh, real quick. Uh, Jay Yelton says, no Sam Ash is in Utah. Um, Sam Ash is uh, obviously Sammy Ash and those guys are, and Richard Ash are phenomenal, fantastic guys. And I have a good relationship with them. But, uh, but don't worry about where there's not Sam Ashes. We have something in place for that as well. This is something I want to do. Like I said, if this does well, it'll continue to, to grow and do this thing again. It's just a thank you event for all the, the viewers. Uh, and, and that way, and you know, just like the sharp max thing, it's a way that we can interact this community, right? It's, we're all just guitar lovers. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, you know, it's one-on-one -on -one time and in a guitar store, that doesn't suck. Yes. Although I will tell you this, if you come to the uh, uh, Arizona uh, Glendale one, you will get to watch Ralph be sarcastic and mean <laughs> to me. <laughs> that's all that's really all i'm good for <laughs> so um so all right guys as always i want to thank you i want to thank you guys too 
And uh, until next week, uh, thank you so much for your time and know your gear. Know your gear. <laughs>